Welcome to the SDG LearnCast with me, Pauline Duman. In every episode, I bring you insightful conversations around the subject of sustainable development and learning, helping us all to achieve a sustainable future. This time on the SDG LearnCast, it is a really important subject on the role of futurists in achieving sustainable development with my guest, Professor Suwail Ineatala. Professor Suwail is one of the most qualified people to talk about the subject on future of learning as he was awarded the first UNESCO Chair in Future Studies in 2016. He was also awarded the Laurel Award for All-Time Best Futurist by the Shaping Tomorrow Foresight Network. But what is a futurist? So foresight future literacy goes from imagining the impossible and starting to create what we truly wish for and finding ways to make that vision real. Coming up, we will hear about Professor Suwail talk about the job of futurists, how he used future studies to support government policies, plus we hear about practical tools and tips futurists use to transform today. In this episode, Professor Suwail will also tell us more about how decision makers can effectively learn. But first, let's start with how a futurist's day looks like. My day pre-COVID-19 would have been running futures workshops. They tended to be one or two or three days. And the main goal for many organizations was they had an issue they couldn't resolve. Either there were many differences in the organization, they were uncertain about their direction, they needed to manage complex information, they needed to set a long-term grand vision, so as a futurist, we would help them do that. What people like about futures thinking is it's structured. It's a very simple process. Since COVID-19, I do the same work, but they tend to be shorter, 90 minutes or a few hours, taking groups through a clear-cut process on creating alternative and preferred futures. So for example, when I start out with a group, we first ask what's unimaginable today, but if, if it becomes possible, changes everything for your organization. That gets people in a visionary mode. Then we start to inquire into what's the use future? What's the institutional practice that's not working that needs to be transformed, always going to the office or working five days a week or silos? From there, we try to move towards emerging issues analysis. What's coming down the road? 3D printing, cellular agriculture, using artificial intelligence to anticipate mental illness, suicide, the predictive city, blockchain. Once we've done that, then we ask ourselves, what are the implications of one of these issues? Professor Suwail worked with the government of New Zealand, where the Prime Minister said that her government is going to prioritize people's well-being. How does a futurist help in implementing this policy? Recently, I started working with the government of New Zealand, and they were framing their issue as the future of infrastructure, 
but very clearly they understood it wasn't just about infrastructure. It wasn't just about always being behind. Infrastructure is always catching up. And it wasn't just about what's smarter, greener, more participatory infrastructure. It was really saying as the nation switches from GDP to well-being, what are the implications for infrastructure? How does the nation itself become more futures-oriented, futures-generation-oriented? How does it use the metaphors from local Maori culture to actually address and make the process far more powerful and potent? So this was seeing, if we're making the shift to well-being, what are the implications for infrastructure? What do we need to do in 2020? Because their vision statement was 2050, 2070, understanding this is a 30-year shift. So it was about physical well-being, but social well-being. And we start to reimagine New Zealand, Aotearoa, going, going forward into the future. So our work is with nation-states, international organizations, also individuals. One of my most enjoyable processes was I was in one city and about 10 parents said, can you help our kids? So I took a big 7 to 10, 12 to 15-year-olds through a process of thinking through their future. And the first thing I asked them, what's your vision for 2025? And one said she wants to be a development worker, save the world. Another said, well, she wants to be a CEO of a tea company by 25. So I said, great, if that's your vision of your future, that's where you wish to be in 10 years, what's your metaphor of your life today? And this became a bit stressful. But as she explored this, she said, aha, my metaphor is the blinds are always down. And then her friends were quite touched and hugged her and there were some tears. And they said, yeah, you don't connect with us. And then we said, well, what's your better metaphor if you wish to be a CEO? And she said, aha, let the sun shine in. So we go then from story to practicality. What is the new practice? The new practice became not just excelling at science and math, but also learning emotional skills, spiritual skills, mindful skills, and of course, most importantly, connecting with all of her friends, that in fact becoming a CEO is a community effort. It's not just one person. So this is a very powerful future, so it's not just for nations or the planet, but also individuals on a journey. But I feel like sometimes relevant information is shared with people and that there is an imperative to change. But we don't seem to learn. Do you have examples of how people and, more importantly, decision makers effectively learn? So even if you give this information out to groups, people go into what's called zero-loop learning. The information is given, here's we need to shift, change industrial factory farming, create buffer zones between cities and wildlife, stop wet markets, or whatever other suggestions you have. Decision makers, you give the information, they don't hear the information, they have their own perspective, or they're too caught in the present, or they're working from trauma and caught in the past. So in zero-loop learning, the information a futurist might give to a prime minister, a decision maker, a parent, is not heard. Option two, we try to move to single-loop learning, which is great, give me the information, let me act. Now the challenge was this approach, it works unless the rate of change is exponential and if there's different views about reality. 
So it's heterogeneous perspectives. And thus merely acting doesn't always lead to optimized solution. And thus for us the most important thing is double loop learning. This is learning to learn. Challenging the process, challenging the product, and also learning about self. So double loop learning, we try to then understand what are our assumptions about the future that need to be challenged. When one international organization, we were focused on, in this case, insurance. And so they were focused on safety and security, which made sense, around the trucking industry. As we did this process and challenged the assumptions, they said, aha, the future what's most important for safety security is bioinformatics. Not just safe for trucks, but finding ways to gain information from a truck driver on their health. So this starts this shift towards a new possible future for them. With another country, we start to look at the future of aviation, and they shifted from landing rights to, of course, retail, to seeing aviation in itself as a learning industry, whether it's 3D printed avionics or creating a living lab. And in this country, they actually got $50 million to create a living lab program, seeing their airport as a place for policy and strategy design. So futures, in fact, is a learning journey. Zero loop, single loop, double loop. And then once we've done double loop, this goes to narrative learning. So much of our work is on the stories we tell. Do they make a difference or do they not make a difference? Okay, so after learning what is the job of a futurist, I asked Professor Soil what tools and paradigms can we learn from a futurist like him to help us imagine the future to transform today. Let's hear from Professor Soil. Where do you wish to go? That's the vision of the future. What's your preferred future? What does it look like in detail? And once we've established that, then we say, how did you get there? So we use a technique called backcasting. So if in 2040 you have a green virtual portable university where learning is everywhere from everyone, peer-to-peer -peer with micro accreditation, what happened the last 20 years? When did you start the research project to show that student learning, democratization of learning can be profound? When was there investment in virtual technologies, holograms, etc.? So then you start to put in dates around the preferred future so the future that seemed far radical suddenly seems plausible. And then the final part of that, of course, we look for story, we look for metaphor. Because the metaphor is the way that you can communicate on often intangible futures in words that people can appreciate, understand. I know with one international organization, we were thinking, of what's the future of food? And they were having a hard time getting information about that in terms of their experts throughout the world. And as we inquired into why, they, they said their actually metaphor was the old crippled blind elephant. So this suggested to them was they were not adapting to the changing future. A better metaphor, someone suggested, was the octopus. Knowledge, power, responsibility was far more distributed. Thus, people in the field actually had more power, more agency, and then the information still could go to the central organization. But they were saying, we have to shift from an elephant to an octopus. Then now if we make the shift, then of course you can't just tell a story. The story must be linked to strategy. It is not easy to think about the future, 
especially when there are a lot of uncertain things and the world is changing rapidly. And it just feels like a lot of things are beyond your control. What I learned from talking with you is that being a futurist requires a certain level of idealism and optimism. As a futurist, what advice can you give to our listeners? Foresight work, the journey doesn't stop. Once we create a better future, within that better future are always contradictions. There's no utopia in futures thinking. Utopia is a no place. Futures thinking is utopia, a good place. So we're aware every time we create the better future, that will have contradictions. So then we come up with the next vision. So every nation, state, organization, individual, city we work with, we're always trying to see futures as a long-term journey and finding stories, metaphors within that journey that activate people so they're able to make the transformation. As a last example of a personal story, I know I had one CEO, and he said his old metaphor was the man who was good at tennis. So he said he was comfortable in the current business environment, but the business environment was changing. He really didn't understand when he went to a meeting the different needs stakeholders had. So he said he felt like he no longer knew what tennis court he'd be playing on. Would it be clay or grass? So then he came up with a new metaphor, the person who could play on many courts. So that's step one to step two. Then it's about where do you really want to be after that? So every place, every situation has a contradiction. Then he went to his third horizon, which was, aha, I became a CEO for the fun of the game. I actually want to be do mentoring. I like the rally. So phase one is excellence in one area, but the world changes, so we feel in deficit. We feel like we're frauds. We don't feel like we can create the future we want. Phase two is coming with a better metaphor, and then what are the new skill sets I need? For this CEO, it was, of course, understanding other cultures. And finally, his concluding metaphor was the love of the game, keep the rally going. So this meant being in the moment and finally becoming a mentor to younger people. So whether it's the individual journey keeps on changing or the external keeps on changing, we very much see futures as a learning and creation journey. Thanks so much. And that was Professor Soail Inayatala, the UNESCO Inaugural Chair of Future Studies. I hope you take away from this conversation that a futurist uses the future to learn how to transform today through tools such as narratives, metaphors, and preferred features. We learned practical examples how governments are using future studies in implementing policies such as prioritizing well-being in New Zealand and how futurists help governments understand how that affects tourism, transportation, and infrastructure. We also learned about double-loop learning, which is the process of learning to learn. Lastly, we learned that the story you tell yourself, the metaphors you use to describe your life affect your learning journey. It is important to always remind yourself why you were doing things in the first place and find your meaning. You can find more of the SDG LearnCast on the UNSDG Learn website. For now, I am Pauline Duman. Thanks for listening. <music>